hey, there's a show you might want to know about. Now in its tenth season, Wrongful Conviction with Jason Flom is a podcast about tragedy, triumph, unequal justice, and actual innocence. Based on the files of the lawyers who represent them, together with other criminal justice activists and experts, Wrongful Conviction with Jason Flom features interviews with men and women who have spent years in prison for crimes they did not commit, some of them having even been sentenced to death. These are their stories. Look for Wrongful Conviction wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, how are you? We're walking on Frenchman. Scene on. 6.15 in the morning and we're going to work out. Let me do that again. Scene. S. S. C. E. Scene. Scene on radio. Yeah, yeah. Everything all right? Scene on radio. Okay. Um, let me start. All right. So, guy, we ask, we don't ask for a win or a loss today. We ask uh, that you give us the strength to play our hardest, cover us in the blood of Jesus. Um, give us strength to pull through. Give us courage. courage. Give us heart. Um... In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Let's go, y'all. Yep. Welcome to episode two of Seen on Radio. It's a podcast that gets out into the world to see how it's going out there. I'm John Bewin, and we're continuing the series we call Contested, following people around as they take part in sports as athletes or fans, with, for me, I guess, the underlying question, okay, sports is fun, for a lot of us anyway and fun is good, but does the whole sports thing as we do it in the U.S., does it make us better as a people? Is it a force for good in our communities in the way we like to think it is? It has the power to bring people together uh, like almost nothing can. In the last episode, our very first, we saw that a winning Major League Baseball team does not magically heal a city's wounds. At least not the kind of wounds that were torn open around St. Louis by the police shooting of Michael Brown. But that's probably asking too much of sports, right? This time, we look at the notion of sports as a great unifying force from a slightly different angle. Barack Obama was not the only president to talk about sports bringing folks together. Back in 1990, then-former President Ronald Reagan expressed a similar sentiment but painted more specific pictures. Reagan got an award from the NCAA, the college sports organization, and in his speech he said this very, to me, very striking thing. It seems nobody recorded the speech, but the transcript survived. We found an extremely inexpensive actor to read his words. When men and women compete on the athletics field, socioeconomic status disappears. Black or white, Christian or Jew, rich or poor. All that matters is that you're out there on the field giving your all. It's the same way in the stands, where corporate presidents sit next to janitors and they high-five each other when their team scores. Race and socioeconomic status, sports makes them disappear. Such heartwarming images. I got to thinking... Do things like that really happen all that much? It's true, playing with somebody in a team sport that can be an intense relationship. Hours a day during a season that lasts for months, 
and maybe three or four seasons over a high school or college career. You're working together, trying to get better individually and as a team, getting hollered at by the coach. Come on, Marnay, finish! Hey, Marnay, 90% of the time, whoever shoots the most layups wins the game. You gotta make them, though. The girls' basketball team is practicing at Pattonville High School. It's in the northwest St. Louis suburbs, less than 10 miles from Ferguson. I went to Pattonville because I wanted to hang out with a racially mixed high school team, which is harder to find than you might think. St. Louis is one of the most segregated cities in the country, and most of its high schools and their sports teams are overwhelmingly white or black. Pattonville is rare. Out of every 10 students, about six are white, three are black, one is Latino or Asian. And the school is economically diverse. Lots of kids from comfortable families, but four in 10 qualify for free or reduced school meals. As for the girls' basketball team, in 2014 it was mostly white with a few African-American players. And this past school year, when I was there, it happened to be the other way around majority black with just a few white and Latina girls. Who are you? My name's Craig Gregory. I'm uh, the uh, Pattonville girls basketball coach. Uh, coach Gregory is 54. He's white and a gray-haired bear of a man, seemingly beloved by his players, who call him by a shortened version of his last name, Greg. He's in his last year before retiring, his 31st as a shop teacher and coach. It's not going to maybe be my best team, but it could be my best team in regards to if you're going to go out with something. The way the kids interact with one another, they like one another, uh, they get along. Nice, Allison! That's okay. I'm Tyler Duncan. Okay. Um, I'm Sarah Craddock, and I'm a junior at Pattonville. Yes, I'm Kyra Bryant. I'm a senior at Pattonville. <laughs> We're a really close team. You know, we are supportive of each other. We love each other. Like any team, there's tension, but still, we get along really well, I mean. Everybody's together, most definitely. Like, we were just talking about going ice skating uh, this weekend together. Yeah. Oh. Clap it up! Clap it up! Clap it up! One, two, three! One, two, three! Pirates! I'm at Pattonville just a few weeks after the grand jury decided not to indict Officer Darren Wilson in the shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson. Pattonville officials called off school for two days after the grand jury announcement to let things cool down. Here's Sarah Craddock again. She's a redhead. People were blowing up like Twitter about it. That's all I all I saw that night. Some were saying very racial things like on both sides. It was it was getting ugly, but um, other people were actually being calm. They were saying, like, maybe you shouldn't, like, don't tweet your opinion, just stay calm, like, stay off of Twitter, don't, don't tweet anything, you're, run, you're gonna regret it, because people were just so heated in the moment, and, like, some people were defending, some people were against, and wasn't good. I'm glad we got the week to calm everyone down, because it really helped. How about on the team? How much has been talked about on the team? Oh, none. None. We, I mean, we're smart enough to not get into sensitive topics like that. Why start a fight when you don't need to, basically? Every player I talk to says the same thing. Ferguson is not a topic among the Pattonville players. We haven't talked about it really. It was just kind of just not brought up at all. I asked Sarah Craddock, does she think there would be conflict along racial lines? 
if the girls on the team did voice their thoughts about Ferguson. Well, I don't really, mm, I feel like since me and Cassie are the only like white girls on the team, I guess you could say, we are very relaxed and we don't have that strong opinions about it. I mean, we care, it's definitely a sensitive topic. And I feel like everybody else would more be on Mike Brown's side. And I guess I'm on that side too, but I don't want to choose sides again because then it, then someone gets angry and it, start, it turns into a fight. So I feel like we wouldn't get in a fight because we're all on the same side. Sarah's African-American teammate, Tyler Duncan, agrees. She thinks most of the students at Pattonville High and on the girls' basketball team in particular pretty much saw the Ferguson case in a similar way. Yeah, like most people say he shouldn't, he should have been indicted. And then they say that all the riots and stuff isn't helping the community as one. They're, they're damaging it instead of, you know, helping. Besides the Ferguson question, I'm also curious about the friendships that grow among teammates, especially friendships that cross those lines of race and class. I notice a trio that seems to stick together on the Pattonville team at those times in every practice when the players get to choose who to work with, like when the coach says to spread out around the gym for a shooting drill. The trio consists of the Brown sisters, Marnay and Tyra, and Cassie Callahan. The sisters are black, Cassie's white. They're all starters and leaders on the team. Marnay and Cassie are two of the team's captains. Okay, um, I'm Marnay Brown. Um, I am 17 years old. I'm a small forward. I am like 5'8". I love to have fun and live life. Um, I'm Cassie. I'm a junior. I play anywhere, really. I play the three, four, and five. Mostly five position. The post. I'm six foot. I love Cassie. She's like my other half. Um, we've been knowing each other since our freshman year. Um, oh, when I first met Marnay, it was in history class freshman year. And we didn't play basketball yet. And she was new to our school, so I've never heard of her or knew her. And she walked in and she had a red dress on with Nike socks and like these big fuzzy boots and it was summertime. And I just thought it was the funniest thing. I was like, who is this girl? Like, what is she wearing? First, I think she didn't like me. She was like pretty mean on the mean side. I didn't talk to her because I thought she was like really loud and just, I just didn't talk to her. And then basketball season came around. As we grew closer, we talked more, uh, hung out outside of school. Um, our personalities like start to connect. In practices, we would all be together. And I was just like, She's actually super nice. Like at first I thought she was some loud, obnoxious, like mean, and then I got to know her and she's the complete opposite of that. So <laughs> it's kind of weird, like strange, yeah. You consider her a friend? Yeah, for sure. Okay, but how far and how deep does this particular sports friendship go? More on that later. Um, first, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Let's go, y'all. There's a game to play. It's our first home game against uh, Oakville High School. It's a St. Louis suburb, but it's more on the, on, on the south side. We're working kind of centered north. Oakville would be kind of on the south uh, uh, of St. Louis. As I said, the Pattonville team is majority black but diverse. 
the Oakville girls look to be mostly or maybe all white. Here's Coach Gregory of Pattonville. On the south, uh, kind of where they're at, it's building up more, where it's more uh, uh, suburb and everything. People have kind of, you know, taken and started moving out from the city into places like that. The Pattonville parents sit on the home team side, some of them in a tight grouping, others kind of scattered loosely. Cassie, the white player who's friends with Marnay, her parents aren't here tonight. She lives with her mom, who's out of town on business. Watch it, watch it, watch it, one, two, watch it, watch it. That's Marnay and Tyra's mother, Taisha Brown. She sits high in one corner of the bleachers, away from the other parents. I'm basically a, a by myself screamer because I'm screaming everybody's name out. I'm, 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 I'm uh, really into the game. So I don't know how uh, other parents, that section is much quieter. You know, that's why I sit alone. <laughs> game goes down to the wire. With two seconds left, Pattonville has a one-point lead and the ball. Let's go. Sit down. Sit down. You're in the game. Sit down. Hear me, Nate. Somebody got to touch the ball. What we're going to do is we got Cassie throwing the ball in. All right. We're going to put Marnay in the front, Allison here, Tyra here, and Dunk here. Team on three. One, two, three. Team. One, two, three. There's a foul on the pass in. Marnay makes one of two free throws, and Pattonville wins 38-36. Mm. <laughs> he did both of them dirty. Oh, it's Ohio State. Up and under. Up and under. 6.45 the next morning. The Brown sisters, Tyra and Marnay, are watching TV, college basketball highlights at the moment. They're in a waiting room at DePaul Health Center in the St. Louis suburb of Bridgeton, not far from where they live with their mom and a couple miles from Pattonville High School. Their mother, Taisha, whom we met at the game last night, she works at the hospital in food service. She had to work at 6.30 today, so we got her, like I said, like 6.15. She doesn't like to leave us home alone, which makes us get up earlier than usual. The sisters are waiting on a ride from their friend and teammate, Cassie Callahan. She drives a convertible and often picks up the Brown sisters on her way to school. Basically, uh, like at nighttime, if we need a ride because if my mom has to work early, then um, we'll tell Cassie, like, can we get a ride in the morning? So we'll be, like, we'll be here, we'll be waiting for a while, and then, like, she'll text us, and then we'll go to the front, and then we'll leave and go to school. Yeah, right here. What's up? Hey, Cass. Hi. I can't drive in the morning, like, it's like this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Nay, why were you up at 4 a.m.? No, I, man, I don't know. Did you like, just wake up? Yeah. I do that all the time. Because I had read your message. The girls talk about last night's game. Tyra, the freshman point guard, 
gets on Cassie for not shooting more. Like, why did you keep passing the ball? Why didn't you score? Because I couldn't score. I don't know. There was no way. Like, anytime I drove, they were right there. I was like, I can't do anything. And my shots were not falling. So I was like, I'm just not going to shoot. But why would you not shoot? Keep shooting, too. That's funny. Cassie, did you know you were on Lacey's Snapchat yesterday? Was I? Yeah. For what? At lunch. Oh, yeah. I know. I you were. I know. Oh, they be His jamming. Music is loud. <laughs> wow. Uh, they love Cassie. <laughs> I love Cassie. <laughs> Taisha Brown sits down with me at a spare room in her workplace, DePaul Hospital. Without being asked about her financial situation, she says she and her kids have had what she calls unstable years, doubling up with friends at times because they couldn't afford a place to live. I just started working full time. Uh, it's been a struggle through these five years, um, sustaining fi- uh, full time status, but finally gotten full time status within a year. And so now I'm building things back up uh, to where there needs to be the stability for my children. Taisha grew up in the Ferguson area and used to live there with her kids. Ferguson is majority black and its public schools are overwhelmingly black because most white kids in the district attend private schools. It's telling to hear Taisha talk about the experience of moving from Ferguson into the Pattonville district. Three years, three years we've been here. And when we first came to that school, my son was like, Mama, no. And that is when her son, Marnay and Tyra's older brother, saw that the Pattonville students were majority white. He was coming from Ferguson, Florida, and McClure, and he was excelling at McClure, but was they really teaching him? Not at all. He would be in class sleeping. I said, what you do at school? I finished all my homework, so I would sleep. Really? When he got to Pattonville, his load was so heavy, he would cry. <laughs> I would laugh because it was he was learning. But to have a school in a school district of minorities um, to offer those things that's ready for the world is very uh, phenomenal. I just can't speak enough about Pattonville School District and what they've done for my family. <laughs> Taisha seems just as awestruck at the discovery of someone like Cassie Callahan, the white middle-class girl who's become a friend of Taisha's basketball-playing daughters, especially Marnay. Cassie has been a light in Marnay's life. And I just be like, wow, you know? Someone of a different skin color could love you that much to want the best for you and to to say, yes, I will pick you up and yes, I'll be there for you. Yes, I'll help you whenever I can. It's very uh, courageous of her and and, um, I, I commend her for doing it because she doesn't have to. We as a whole adapted to her family I call them the Kodak family because they are so beautiful. I say, wow, your mom doesn't look her age, your dad, nobody looks their age. They're all a Kodak family. Cassie, um... From the way Taisha talks about Cassie's family, I thought, well, they must all be friends. It turns out, Taisha has seen Cassie's parents at basketball games from a distance. Here she is again at that game we were hearing a few minutes ago. I feel like I know them through her. Ever met her? No. Never met <laughs> No. <laughs> you know her generosity and her character? It has to come from somewhere. So the parents is doing a great job. <laughs> so I feel like I know them. <laughs> I know I've seen her at um, a couple basketball games, but I don't think we've ever spoken before. But 
Um, I travel a lot with my job, and so I don't get to go to all the games. Some of the parents are there at every single game, and I don't get to make it to every game. So um, I talk with Cassie's mom at their house on a quiet street not far from the high school. My name is Marie, and uh, we live here in Maryland Heights, Missouri. Like Taisha, Marie is a single mom. Unlike Taisha, a lower-wage hospital worker, Marie is an executive in the casino business. Marie's been touched to see the friendship between Cassie and Marnay. When you when you bring up their friendship, the first thing that comes to mind for me is um, Cassie had this Instagram photo that she posted of her and Marnay. And Cassie was like, look at this. It's the most likes I've ever got on a photo. You know, at that point, I think she's surpassed it since. But it's the two of them before a basketball game, and they're doing this pose. I just thought it was the coolest thing. And um, But I see that. I see the camaraderie um, amongst them on the court. I'll see them go at it on the court, you know, where they can get on one another because maybe they're not making a play or they are. But at the same time, they're coming off the court and they're, you know, they're joking around and busting around with one another in a way that, you know, only good friends do typically. And so, I don't know, it's, it's cute, it's neat, I like it. I ask Marie about that cherished notion, voiced by President Reagan, for instance, that sports brings diverse parents together as they cheer for their kids bridging the usual social divisions. Here's how she sums it up. There's different classes of families that when we're all playing together on the same sports, and we're on the sidelines, we are, we're all right there together, and it's all in the season, and it's all behind the sport, and it's all behind that following. And then you separate, and you go away, and you go back into your regular day-to-day life, and it might not be the same family that you invite to your your next function that, you, that you're hostessing. And... Um, and you do, you stop and think about who's going to fit in with who when you're out of that sports moment, you know? So, I, I don't know. At the end of the week I spent with them, the Pattonville Pirates have gathered in the school lobby for an away game in a farther out St. Louis suburb. One of the players, Jada, is having a birthday and the black girls break out in song. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Maybe you caught that. The white girls saying they've never heard that happy birthday song by Stevie Wonder. You've never heard that? It's no small thing what sports is doing in the lives of these kids simply by putting them side by side day after day. Here's Cassie Callahan again. If I didn't play basketball with like someone like Marnay, I don't think I probably wouldn't be as close with her as I am because I just would never have the opportunity to get to know her like because we don't hang out in the same groups. So basketball's really like brought me together with a lot of those girls that I never really would talk to before. But it turns out that as with their parents, the basketball connection between these girls at least is pretty much just that. Cassie says she does consider Marnay a friend, but they don't hang out beyond school and basketball. Well, I don't really have a huge friend group, but I have three best friends. We've been best friends for like seven years, and I really hang out with them, or my boyfriend. The, the four of them I normally hang out with, and that's really it. Okay. And if you don't mind my asking, are they black, white? They're white, yeah. yeah. Okay. My boyfriend's mixed, so. Okay. Yeah. He's biracial, you'd say. Yeah, he's biracial. If you sort of look into the future and you imagine, um, you know, your 10th 
or 20th high school reunion, would you imagine that you'd still be friends with Marnay, or would it sort of be? Probably not. We probably, I mean, I if she came to the reunion, I could see us being like great and fine, but I don't, I don't see us staying really in touch after high school. I mean, I can take that off just because like my sisters were the same way. They were close to everyone on the basketball team, everyone, but then they don't really talk to. Like if they see them up here, sometimes they'll be like, it's like they just saw them yesterday, but they don't really keep up with each other's lives and stuff, so. Cassie Callahan at Pattonville High in suburban St. Louis. This is Seen on Radio. Okay, that's one way of telling it. But I can't help wondering if it's unnecessarily snarky or gloomy to make that the last word, Cassie's doubt about the staying power of her friendship with Marnay. To end on that note, it seems like I'm concluding that the whole sports brings people together idea is wrong, a bunch of sentimental malarkey. Wouldn't it be just as honest to tell the same story but flip the order. It could go like this. If I didn't play basketball with like someone like Marnay, I don't think I probably wouldn't be as close with her as I am because I just would never have the opportunity to get to know her. We'd use that quote from Cassie and next put in the caveat, the more pessimistic bit. These girls don't have that much in common besides basketball. They're not in the same friend groups and so on. Would you imagine that you'd still be friends with Marnay? Would it sort of be? Probably not. We probably. Then we could end on the more upbeat note, setting it up with something like this. Considering the history and where this country still is today on race and class, isn't it a good thing what sports does? I mean, to the extent that it gets kids from different backgrounds alongside each other on equal footing, creating moments at least, in which it's just about the playing. Which way of telling the story is more true? Your call. Next time, two small towns, one on each end of the country, wrestling over whether to hold on to a certain nickname for their high school sports teams. We'd said the name Redskin proudly, you know, thousands of times my whole life, and then suddenly be told that we were being racist was kind of, kind of caught me off guard. I mean, my grandma was a Teton Redskin. Seen on Radio comes from the Center for Documentary Studies at Duke University. Please subscribe in the usual ways or go to seenonradio.org to find out how. Thanks so much to everybody at Pattonville High School. Our sports series, Contested, is made possible by a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities.